Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page. Hi and welcome to another edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier. Today, Dr Simon Bradwell, the Managing Director of EBM Pabst Australia and New Zealand. We'll find out a little about the 2015 Wyndham Business of the Year. We'll find out a lot about Simon, a lot about the plans for the future and what the company does and what they're involved in these days. So that's all coming up in just a tick. And also just a little reminder from the Committee for Wyndham about the Future Leaders of the West program. This, of course, is the Flow program. It's about to start in a couple of weeks' time. So if you want more information and you want more details, you can visit the webpage, which is the Committee for Wyndham webpage, also the Facebook page, or contact Barbara McClure at barbara at committeeforwindham.com.au. All the details and a brochure available. Uh, brochure's actually available on the website if you want to download it and check it out. We've talked a lot about the Flow program uh, uh, to various individuals over the uh, last few weeks. It is about to start if you would like to uh, be part of it, and it's a terrific leadership program. Uh, as I said, simply contact Barbara at uh, barbara at committeeforwindham.com.au and uh, you can get all the details there. But let's uh, get into our guest for this week, Dr. Simon Bradwell. Simon Bradwell joins me on our Talking Window podcast. Simon's the Managing Director of uh, ABM Paps Australia and New Zealand. He's on the line now sitting in a park in Abbotsford. Hello, Simon. How are you? <laughs> Hello, Kevin. I'm very good. Very good. How are you? I'm um, well, thank you. Now you're an engineer, obviously. But t- tell us a little about uh, a little about uh, EBM Paps because you're an international company, I, I believe, with a German uh, German's head, Germany's headquarters. Yeah, we are indeed. We're we're a, a German family business, so that typical kind of business that's just underneath the radar. They're called a, a range of hidden champions that are family based and have been for one or two generations that supply high end engineering. Uh, and supply it globally. They've just been magnificent in in taking that long term approach to providing good engineering to the market. Really, so they're very typical German family business. What's the uh, What's the kind of I guess the uh, the number one area of uh, of of central focus and expertise for the company? Our, our purpose is really clear. Um, our purpose is to reduce impact. I mean, and that sounds really big and glorious and all that kind of specialist, yeah. especially for a company like us. Because we're, we're fan manufacturers. That's what we do. We're, we're experts in air movement. But it's really pertinent with respect to our industry. I mean, to give you an example, 55 to 60% of all power consumed inside buildings are consumed inside fans. And so the, the impact that we can have as engineers um, with respect to our, our clients not only their electricity bills, but you know, their decarburization and all sorts of, you know, depending on how they've got a report at board level, um, never mind you know, increasing their performance of their air conditioning and their air movement around the building to make the space more livable. There's lots of different ways that we can actually have an impact and, and improve the way people live. So, um, yeah, it's pretty straightforward really yeah, but but, it, but it's a hell of a lot bigger uh, enterprise and uh, and I guess footprint on our, on our lives than we probably would first think oh yeah I mean it's huge I mean to give you an example just a couple of comparisons we were doing some calculations because I think it's really important to be clear with respect to our purpose but also to be able to measure it 
So we, we've actually measured the, the products and, and projects that we've been working on in the last five years and looked at the equivalent of that. And the equivalent is that we've been able to take off 250,000 cars off the road. And that's all the cars in Geelong. Um, if you compare that at the moment, I mean, the, the Victorian government at the moment is having a big push with respect to recycling and composting. Um, if you compost uh, a thousand tons of, uh, of, well, of compost, um, you take off 1,200 cars. So a thousand tons is 10 meters by 10 meters by 10 meters. And we've done 250,000 cars. And we're a small 30, 35 people engineering company in Laverton North. So it, it's, it shows, you know, what we can do as engineers, uh, you know, to, to try and redevelop and regenerate the future. And, um, and sometimes that gets lost in, in the communication and, and mainly because as engineers, we're, you know, we're engineers, we're introverts, we're not very good at communicating. Yeah. But there you go. It, all, it also so. kind of debunks that theory that that little bit that we each do each day, each minute of each day to make a change will not have an effect. Oh, it does. I mean, everything. I mean, I've got four bins at home and I use them, you know, regularly and and in and, uh, and disciplined way. It's everything that we can do makes an effect. It's just that some things have bigger effects than others. Uh, and, you know, it's important, certainly when I'm talking to government, to try and help, you know, regulations and standards inside the industry and that kind of stuff that, you know, we communicate the difference that we can make as engineers. Because to be honest, we don't have enough engineers in the, in the, in the marketplace. I struggle. I struggle to employ young engineers. Uh, and, uh, and that's a problem. Um, because we'll, you know, as a, as a, as a community, the engineers will help you know, develop the future. And, you know, I want to try and bring more people into engineering and, um, and we need to tell them, you know, what we do and, and, and how good we are at doing it, to be honest. Uh, is, is engineering's always been from, from the outside, this is totally a, an outside uh, perspective on this, uh, a very male dominated industry. Oh, unbelievably, which has always scared the living daylights out of me, to be honest, Kevin. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, and it's something that I've been very conscious of in our organization here in Australia. Um, and I've been very specific in trying to increase the diversity of my workforce. The, I mean, to give you, most people might know the decline of the manufacturing industry here in Australia. All the car industry has gone, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So for us as an organization, it means that we have to reinvent, reinvent ourselves, you know, regularly. You know, every year I say to myself, I don't expect anybody to go bust or move over shore this year, but somebody always does. And in order to, to have a culture that can respond to that, a, a culture that is happy to take risks, I mean, small risks maybe, but and happy to uh, to be creative, you need to have uh, a culture which is which is diverse and free thinking. And I find that um, to have a a diversity of workforce with respect to both cultural background um, and male and female balance is really important, as well as age, to be honest. So, I mean, 50% of my leadership team is female. Uh, my lead engineer is, is female. My head of operations is female. Um, three quarters of my engineering team is female. Um, I employ people from 26 to 75, and I think I've got 12 different cultural heritages inside the organization. And this, this brings a, a diversity. But also brings common sense to the culture inside the organisation. Yeah. You know, we just you know the, it, it it dilutes the testosterone, <laughs> which is always <laughs> a good thing. I mean, <laughs> don't, don't mind me being so blunt, but it, it does. And, yeah, no, and, right. 
and that's really important. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, totally male-dominated uh, industries as well as female-dominated industries, and um, and they're, you know, they they both have their issues, and you need to mix it up, and and that breeds a culture where you can you can accept change and work with it. Um, yeah, it's worked really well for us. Has the field of engineering uh, started to delve into areas that it didn't do twenty and thirty years ago? Certainly in our industry, absolutely. So, so I mean, when I, I started as a young engineer in the middle of West Moldy in every twenty week, West London, for instance, uh, and my life every year was, well, take five ten percent cost out of this product, take five ten percent cost out of this product, and to be honest, that was as boring as God knows what. It's yeah. an absolute killer. Now, you know, with the with the the issues that we cha- that we're challenged with respect to the climate um, and impact and everything, it, it enables engineers to be creative to do things that we've not done before or to implement things that, you know, somebody else has done around the world, for instance. You know, certainly certainly in our space, in the, in the lived environment, in the built environment, um, you know, the, the move towards creativity and finding new ways of doing things, um, I find, you know, makes the life of an engineer decidedly more interesting than, than I started it 20, 30 years ago. So. Yeah, clearly a lot more mm-hmm. innovation involved in it these days. Oh, massively. And... and 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 iteratively, you know, there's there's things that we can learn from around the world, um, as well as our own local developments as well, because we we do have a you know specific market and a specific demographic and a specific environment that makes us different to the rest of the world. But yeah, I mean, if we don't innovate um, and and change and add value, whether it's to our community, to or to our environment or whatever, we're just going to get completely lost. Um, and so that it comes back to having that diversity and that culture inside of the organisation and, and willingness to take a risk and willingness to fail, to be honest, because you know, that's the only way that we truly learn is by failing. But just make sure it's not too much of a big failure, yeah. I think. One of, the things you, one, of, one of the things you talked about at the Winnovation uh, Summit uh, was failure as a, as a measure to succeed. Uh, do, you want to, do you want to go into that in a little more detail? Oh, hugely, yeah, no problem. So I've got a I've got a range of sales sales guys out there, um, and often I'll say to them, you know, oh, you've just won an order, excellent, well done, congratulations. Why did you win that order? And they're never really certain. You know, it could be the product, it could be the price, it could be them, it just could be the smile on their face. Sometimes you never know. Uh, it can be a range of things. But when they didn't get the order, then they know exactly why they didn't get the order. You know, because frankly, that's just not the right product for the job. So I always find that. We learn more from failure than we do from success, um, and because it gives us a clear indication of the way forward and the path forward. But in saying that, I mean, there's no, you know, we don't go around making huge risks and huge mistakes that, you know, that's going to put the, the business bust or anything like that. And that's why it's nice to have a, you know, a, a risk taking and, and an accepting, accepting of failure culture that we take small risks, we take iterative changes, iterative changes. And if it doesn't, you know, if the road doesn't quite turn to the right, well, let's turn back to the left and keep moving in the direction that we know we want to go. So I, I think failure is uh, important. Uh, and, you know, with the culture that we have, which is not, we don't have a command and control culture by any stretch of the imagination. You know, the, the last thing I'm going to do is come down on an engineer like a ton of bricks. I mean, that's it. You know, especially, you know, with the, with the young engineers that we have now, that's not the... It's not the way that the younger, the younger demographic operate. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, there's, there's a, a range of reasons from all sorts of directions. 
And taking your engineering hat off it as a, as a managing director of uh, of uh, EBM Paps, you learn more about your people from failures than you do from successes, don't you? Oh, through and through. And, you know, we're all human in the end of the day, Kevin. You know, we all make a mess of things, you know, whether it's at home burning the dinner or, or it's at work putting the wrong product in the um, – and, and we're human. We've got to accept that we're human. And it's much easier, you know, you, you find out who people really are, you know, when something goes wrong because, you know, they've made a mistake and, and uh, effectively you're bearing your soul. And it's important to know, to know people uh, and to know them and know their strengths and weaknesses so that we can all work together in a better way. Um, and, you know, for me, I find that, you know, Making sure that people aren't under too much pressure and people work together in a sensible and a, uh, you know, in a, in a straightforward manner in an adult fashion, in an adult fashion, yeah, is really, really, really important. And that really enables good communication and good clear thinking. People aren't put under pressure. Um, and then people can be creative and, and take calculated risks. Um, it, it's really, I mean, the team I work with, I, I love them. I, we, you know, we're very close. We we rarely have anybody that leaves the organisation, and just because we all treat one another with respect, and yeah. and that comes from accepting our foibles. Yeah. You know, really through and through. And, and I agree. Again. You mentioned the diversity of your of your workplace now, and the and the and the different cultures, and uh, obviously the gender balance is a, is a lot different to what it used to be. That obviously would have changed a lot uh, in the way day to day work is is done, as opposed to where what it was like in thirty years ago. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, the uh, my level of flexible working inside the organisation is huge. Um, you know, my chief engineer, my lead engineer, Martina, she's had two children while she's been my chief engineer, for instance. Um, and uh, and both the, the the men work from home to look after look after family as, as well as the women. Um, and so, as a as a workplace, as that nine to five doesn't exist anymore. The clocking on in the morning, like I used to when I when I first started work, just just doesn't exist. So, but it, it's clear to important to have clear communication with people. But because sometimes they're not in the office and you're not face to face, so you know, making sure that there's good communication amongst the teams um, and and know exactly where we're going and what we've got to do next is is really important. So anybody can do it from anywhere, really. Simon Bradwell, the Managing Director of uh, EBM Paps uh, Australia and New Zealand, is my guest on uh, the Talking Wyndham podcast. What are, what are the challenges in your industry as you, as you head forward? Do, is climate change and the ramifications that that has on so many levels part of what, uh, what you're dealing with? Massive. Um, I mean, it, it's something that we've been working on here since about 2005 uh, and will continue to do so. Um, and whether it's in chicken farms in Mount Cottrell or supermarkets in, in Mount Gambia, wherever, um, we're all going to be affected of it. And I was, you know, I was so proud of my kids and, and everybody who took to the streets over Christmas uh, to raise the issue and keep the issue and, you know, and keep the issue there. You know, it was interesting to see the political changes in Europe at the moment with respect to decisions that they're making, you know, because we do have to do it. And that, you know, for us, is a great engineering challenge. I mean, our, our next engineering challenge is very much how to link all of these things together such that, you know, uh, our fan, for instance, doesn't, op- doesn't operate in isolation uh, and how to build in intelligence inside, inside that system um, 
such that it's it's more autonomous. You know it's going to sit and you know it's going to do the job and you can leave it alone. So, you know, that's to ensure that, it, you know, it, it's providing that impact, that reduction of impact all the time. So that's on, from an engineering perspective, that's our next challenge. And we've employed, you know, young um, robotics and electronics engineers to to face that challenge. So, yeah, it's evolving. It's evolving. Is that is that the next uh, big expansion area in engineering is robotic engineering? Um, yeah, I would, I would suspect so. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I work for a major German engineering manufacturer. We've got robots everywhere and, and have done for a long time. So certainly having robots inside the manufacturing workplace is very commonplace for us. I mean, you'll see them walking around, you know, your local supermarket now, you'll see robots going up and down the aisles, certainly. In mine, in, in the western suburbs of Melbourne, in Altona, there are, there are robots going up and down the supermarket, which is which is uh, which is different, should we say? Yeah. Um, that, I mean, I don't think I don't think robotization is, is going to be a massive change for us, but linking them all together uh, and making sure that we're using the powers of high-speed internet and high-speed broadband, such that machine talks to machine uh, in a good way, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get all doesn't get all scary and an artsy class. Uh, but in a in a good way. The integration of all these things that, that you know you're working on at your company and someone else is working on at their company. Where does the integra- integration of all this sort of happen? And and is that is it already happening? It is already happening. And and uh, I mean our industry is having a big show uh, in May. Hopefully, if everything goes if everything goes to plan, um, which is uh, an exhibition of, of companies like mine and others that work inside the built the built environment. And we come together like this for three days to to show off, yeah, like we do. <laughs> uh, being being salespeople to show off and being engineers, we like to tell everybody how brilliant we are. Um, but to share and also see what everybody else is doing, to see how we can interlink. And we do. I mean, more and more partnerships are, are being built. Um, I've probably got four or five R&D uh, development um, companies who I'm partnering with here locally in Australia now with respect to metalwork and also with respect to controls and robotics. So, um, you know, we, again, you know, we've got to recognize our foibles and we don't know everything. And it's often easier to have a conversation over a cup of tea uh, and, to, and to share an experience and share learning and share development than it is to try and learn it yourself. So, um, yeah, many more partnerships now, which is great. Uh, the the research and development area is obviously an area where you can you can tip a lot of money, uh, you know, for want of a better expression, down the toilet. Um, is the strike rate uh, good in research and development, or is it is an area that you have to be really careful and and kind of frugal even to a point? That's a really good question, uh, and I'm not to be honest, I'm not sure that I'm I'm that experienced to um, uh, to to answer that question. Um, um, I, I did research uh, right at the beginning of my career, etc., but I gave it up to go and work in a factory. So uh, for exactly that reason, to be honest, because it just got, oh, no, come on, let's do something practical and, and, and you know, make a difference. Um, in our world, ours is very much pragmatic research. Ours is very much, this is the issue, and we've got to, we've got to create a deliverable. Um, in saying that, though, I mean, when I did my research, I did my research in materials and materials engineering. And there's, there's industries such as that that is very important into being developing blue sky products. Um, if it wasn't for the development of the silicon wafer and the, and the additions of other elements to the silicon wafer, 
you know, we wouldn't be able to talk now. Yep. And that was, you know, and that was developed by, you know, Blue Sky Research in the 1950s by, you know, one of the universities in in uh, in Boston, I think, if I remember rightly. So, you know, the ramifications of, of simple and Blue Sky's research are just huge, and you just take the risk. You just take the risk. Yeah. You know, if you get a, if you get a drop rate of 25, percent you'd be happy. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, you mentioned you mm. live in Altona. The uh, the uh, uh, factory base is in is in Laverton North. Uh, doing business Correct. in the in the western suburbs uh, as you have been for a number of years now. Has that uh, been a good experience? Oh, massive! Yeah, we love the western suburbs. Absolutely love it. <laughs> it's uh, I think everybody apart from a couple of people uh, uh, are from the western suburbs. It's certainly you know it, it's it's important to to people that they'll be able to get to work. You know, in a reasonable time, uh, and not to be stressed when they get there. Um, you know, we're we're very lucky in that we've got good connections with a whole lot of universities, uh, both VU in the western suburbs as well as RMIT and people like that to to bring people um, uh, to bring people uh, into work. Um, but you know, we've got to remember as well. I mean, the western suburbs is the, probably the biggest growing area in the whole of Melbourne at the moment. So, you know, it's uh, it's a huge and great development. And and Wyndham Council, you know, we've always had a good relationship with them. We thoroughly enjoy supporting the local council. We support the we support the local schools as well. Um, a couple of our guys, we we're involved with a uh, an organisation called Engineers Without Borders, um, which is a local charity organisation for engineering. And we go out into local schools to promote science and technology and engineering. Um, two of my two of my chief engineers, both of them were women, go out into the primary schools just to try and promote particularly girls coming into engineering and science and technology. So, you know, we'd like to try and give as much to the local community as we get from Wyndham as well, really. So, um, no, it's really good. We, we we love being Westies. And if you don't go for the Bulldogs, well, I'm sorry, that's just a strike against you on your CV, <laughs> isn't it, really? Kind of thing. Uh, very <laughs> good. Very good. I knew, there was some, I knew there was something about you I liked from the very start. So I, <laughs> now I've been able to put my finger on it. We can work that out. Yes. Uh, very good. Bravo. Um, uh, bravo, bravo. Look, uh, terrific to, uh, to catch up and have a chat. Uh, I mean, uh, the Wyndham business of the year was, was back in 2015, but obviously the, the company's uh, going from strength to strength and with a, with a really important role to play in, in the future uh, in, in a lot of areas. So we, we appreciate your time and uh, continued success and, uh, and keep up the great work. Cheers, Kevin. I appreciate the opportunity. Have a good day. Well, thanks to Simon for his time. He is a real character. It was terrific to catch up with him. The managing director there of EBM Pabst Australia and New Zealand, the 2015 Wyndham Business of the Year Award. Now, a reminder again about the Flow Program. It's about to start in the next couple of weeks. If you'd like to check out all the details, uh, just go to the uh, Committee for Wyndham webpage, download the brochure, and you'll be able to uh, get an application form there as well. Hope you enjoyed this week's edition of Talking Wyndham. We'll talk again soon. From me, Kevin Hillier, take care. Thanks for listening. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.